raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle, intercepted, Wolfuck again! Wolfuck the other way, at the 30, the 40, Wolfuck to midfield! Miles Wolfuck with the pick, the heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory! Left side of the line, Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams gonna throw, one-on-one, Davis has it! Touchdown, Carolina wins! Carolina is the Coastal Division! Champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And that's right, folks. Today is the first preview edition of the 2022 season. Carolina versus Florida AM. They kick it off 8-15 on Saturday night in Keenan Stadium. ACC Network for those that are not able to make it up to Keenan for the kickoff. Uh, so far, not sold out yet, so if you want tickets, make sure you head over to GoHeels.com and pick those up. Uh, it is going to be a chance to get out there and see this team uh, right out of the gate. First chance to see Drake May as the starting quarterback. There are a lot of interesting things to keep an eye on as we go into Saturday night. And we're going to tell you a little bit about those here uh, as we preview this game. I've also got a note about the team, about the depth chart from the other day that was released. Uh, there is a switch. There is a guy that uh, had appeared to, at the time, had uh, lost a battle that now appears as if he has taken over and won the battle 
according to Mac Brown at his press conference today. So we'll tell you about that. Also, he did talk about Drake May and how he has practiced so far this week. So find out whether or not there is any chance that Jacoby Criswell is uh, breathing down his neck and could that decision potentially flip before the end of the week. But uh, first, we are going to take a look. First, real quick, before we get this started, I wanted to go through and officially predict the record for the Tar Heels this season. Um, I feel like we haven't really done that yet, and I don't think that was something that we could do a full podcast on. So I feel like before the first game, this is probably the best area to sort of put this in. And, you know, look, I, I think both of us can probably admit that we feel a lot better now about this team than we felt a few weeks ago, probably around a month ago. Really, once fall camp started and after they got out of ACC Media Days, you, you felt pretty confident that this was a team that was motivated and that this could be a team that might finish a little bit better than we probably initially thought. But Carolina's got some tough games out of the, out of the gate. And uh, look, there are some teams that a lot of people you know, are looking at in the ACC Coastal. Some people really like Miami. Other people really like Pittsburgh. And of course, there are some teams on the back end of the schedule that Carolina faces uh, that have had you know pretty good seasons here in the last couple of years that some people think could potentially take the next step again this year. Wake Forest, that was before, of course, Sam Hartman uh, had the issue that's keeping him off the field right now. But the thought is at some point he will hopefully return. And, of course, NC State at the back end of the schedule for the Tar Heels. So uh, I know that you have been one of the guys that has probably you know kept your prediction even from before the season relatively stable some of us I think have come up a little more you know as we've gotten closer and closer to the season and have heard um, you know some some of the comments from mostly the players on this team I think Mac Brown a lot of people are probably frankly over hearing what Mac Brown has to say for now it's more about can he prove it on the field but to hear from the players and and, and really feel a different mindset I think I think there are people that are definitely more encouraged but where are you at with this team uh, as of right now you know I, I wrestled all all season all off season long um, because I, I didn't know when we got the schedule if this was going to be a bowl team or not I really, I really had my doubts if this team was going to make a bowl game or not. But as I sit here, um, and as I typically do this time of the year, optimism is about as 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 high as as it's going to be, barring you know the team winning all their games or whatnot. But I always preface that because I didn't know when they were going to have their answer at quarterback. Well, now we have our answer at quarterback. It's going to be Drake May barring something unforeseen, which I don't see that happening. And I said all along that had they had their answer at quarterback going into the season, I would be a lot more comfortable saying this is going to be a bowl type of team or a team that can win seven to eight games. So within the last month, my thoughts and opinions on where this team uh, was going to be, they have changed. They've they've gone away from – you know, potentially not being a bowl team to where if you listen to the bowl predictions episode of the podcast, I did predict us to beat Notre Dame in Pittsburgh, something we haven't done um, under Mac Brown. And uh, we play both those teams this year in Chapel Hill. And I think that that's going to play a factor into it. And 
you know, when you go ahead and you mark up those two games as wins, they it it it, it really does for for a prediction standpoint really does so you know lend your favor to be in a bowl type of team and I got them I got them at eight wins as of as of today. Wow. Um because they've got that answer at quarterback. I loved what Gene Chizik did the first time he was here. He's got more talent. He's got more depth. And I I I I, I feel like I feel like Mac Brown knows and the staff knows there's a there's a lot on the on the line here. Mm-hmm. They've they've got to deliver. Um, I, I think you got to commend this this staff or or the the athletic department for investing in the football program. They've given them all the resources off the field to win. Now it's time to actually go out and win. I think the coaches know that. I think the players know that. And and then uh. You know, as much as last year stunk, that might have been the best thing for this program, and I do think they are they're ready to bounce back this season. So I I am like I am right where you're at. Eight wins, but I I wanna go nine because I one of the losses that I have on there is App State in the second game of the season. And to me, I think that I I don't know if they would have to, but wouldn't it feel pretty important for them to win the game against Notre Dame to then put themselves at three and one instead of two and two? Because that mindset I think feels completely different at three and one than two and two. Two and two, you're in the same spot that you were last year. And I think there are probably some people that are concerned, even though it may not look all that ugly. You may have a close loss to App State and a close loss to Notre Dame. But, I, I, yeah, I've, I mean, I've gone back and forth. First of all, I will say this. I think NC State at the end of the year is a win. At home, I, I, that's one that I have not questioned. The losses that I would have on the schedule would be App State on the road, just because, again, I think that that's a lot to ask of a young quarterback going on the road there. That's one that feels like a trap game. Although at this point, with as many different people that are predicting that as there are, that could be one of those games where, I mean, just, just, do Carolina players come into that game basically thinking of themselves as the underdog? I mean, the line is probably going to get pretty close to being even, maybe even App State favored, so... I don't know. That that could be one of those ones that you never really know about. Um, Wake Forest I had as a, as a sure loss, and Miami. I think those, those two I, I feel pretty safe, especially because I think that'll be around the time that Sam Hartman would be returning. I think that Wake Forest team will be motivated to continue to prove themselves. So that would be a, a tough ask. And, of course, with Miami having to go on the road down there, I feel like that team is going to be pretty good this year. Um, I, I think that's one that Carolina, if if they were to win that game, I would have no doubt that they would win the ACC Coastal at that point. Um, but the game that I'm going back and forth on is probably is, is Notre Dame at this point. Um, so I, I, will, I, will pro, I will go 9-3. and three. I will go out there and say that Carolina goes 9 and 3 and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I think they lose to App State and then they turn around on the 24th and beat Notre Dame. We we've known this for years now. 
especially these last few years under Mac Brown. Carolina is a much better team at home than they are on the road. It's been proven. The statistics on the road are frankly ugly, while the statistics at home, for the most part, are extremely pleasant. So I'll go with 9-3 and three for Carolina. I think that's probably pretty bold, to be honest. I think both of us are rather pretty bold, um, considering where we were just uh, about a month ago. Um, but I think that this schedule lends to them having more success than we probably thought originally coming into the season. Let us know your predictions for this upcoming season. Send them to us uh, at Heels Up Blog on Facebook. You can comment, of course, on this edition of the podcast if that's how you're finding it. Or uh, you could send it to us on Twitter at Blog or our personal pages at HTBAnthony uh, for me and at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe. Well, let's get into the first game, one that I think pretty safely we both have as a win and a pretty easy, hopefully a pretty easy win uh, this upcoming Saturday against an FCS opponent in Florida A&M. And look, this is a game that I think a lot of people are hoping that Carolina can come in establish themselves pretty early and run away in this one. And I think it's possible. But I also think that this is a better Florida A&M team than a lot of people realize. This team won nine games last year. It's the first week of the season, and they've got some pretty good players, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I think that this could be one of those games right out of the gate I'm not sure if Carolina is going to run away with this one. I think this is one of those games where when you look back, if you just look at the final score, you're going to say, man, Carolina must not have played all that well. But when you go back and watch the game, you'll see that this was a pretty solid effort. I think, look, the expectations going in have to be that there are going to be some stumbling blocks. There always are. It's the first game of the season. This is why playing this type of opponent in Week Zero is a, a you know a good move for Carolina, and I think it can work out really really well. Um, it, it will allow Drake Bay to be able to get a you know a, a good sample size in um, against a team that you know we're just going to throw some things at him. They've got one of the best pass rushers, not really not honestly not only in the FCS but really in the entire country. Um, and I think that this is that this will pose more of a challenge than people probably realize. Yeah, no, and look, Mac Brown said you know, earlier this week this this is a this is a really good FCS team. Made the the remark that they they've won more games the last two years than Carolina has. Um, this is a, this is a program that has done a really good job at the FCS level, um, and, and they're they're going to pose a a test and a challenge. Um, they've got 25 transfers coming into their program this season. Um, so, you, as you could expect, as an FCS program, there's going to be a lot of overhaul year in, year out. So, it, it may be a little bit harder to prepare for them than than the you know than the normal standard opponent. And um, I think I think the the thought around when we saw this game on the schedule was, oh, they got a really good band, and they do. They have an amazing band that you can watch at Wilson Library as a as a way as Carolina's honoring HBCUs. In this game, mm-hmm. they've also got a really good football team, and it's a team that that while Carolina should beat, they're still I think going to pose a challenge or a test of some degree for the Tar Heels, and something that um, as as talented as Carolina is, as as gifted as they are, 
they're not at a point yet where they can overlook opponents because that's what that's why that's why last year happened. They overlooked opponents. I think the biggest thing about this game will be how much has this team matured from last season? Are they taking every opponent serious? Are they are they knowing that they can't go in and overlook opponents and stuff like that? Because they did that last year and they got embarrassed at games like Georgia Tech and the like. So um Hopefully, you know, we we, we uh we, we see that place get sold out, get a nice lively environment because Carolina's gonna need they're gonna need their home crowd throughout the season to help them win some games like Notre Dame and Pitt as I predicted. Mm-hmm. A good way to start that is getting one at home against FAMU. Well let's focus on the Rattlers and look, this is a team that as you know, as we talked about, they won you know a pretty good amount of games last year. They were nine and three, um, and they've got a ton of transfers, like you mentioned, twenty five. I actually uh, in the in the game notes that were released today, they have listed under their game notes that they have added thirty four transfers this year. Good lord, nine of them are from Power Five programs, including three from right down the road at Florida State. So you've got guys that are. That that were one at one time, maybe not huge recruits, but they are power five talented guys that are on this team. Not to mention, I mean, when you talk about the guys that they are bringing back, that are just first of all, there is a guy that if you don't know his name, and if you're somebody that is you know likes to follow the draft, um, and and gets into you know what your NFL team does, Isaiah Land's a name to know. He finished last year with 43 total tackles out of what they call the Fang position. As you would, that's something that, of course, ties in well with the with their mascot. Um, 25 and a half of those tackles were for loss. 19 of them were sacks. Not bad. I mean, those are like high school numbers, and they're not blown out of proportion. This dude is legitimate. He is going to get after the quarterback. And, you know, look, that poses a threat for a Carolina offensive line that struggled a year ago, that's having to bring in, um, you know, a few new faces to this group. Only really two, or only really one full-time starter from a year ago is back. You Even if you just include part-time starters, you've got two. Um, you know, Corey Gaynor's a guy that they feel pretty confident about. He was just named a team captain today. But the right side of that offensive line, Mac Brown said in his press conference today, is still a question mark. So a guy like Isaiah Land could be a guy that causes some issues for Carolina out of the gate. You've got a guy that can turn the ball over in the defensive backfield. B.J. Bowler last year, uh, he, he you know had 52 total tackles, but also had four interceptions. And you know, also had twelve pass breakups on the back end. So this is a guy that can do a lot of different things on the back end. So they've got a couple of dudes at both levels that are really talented. And then you know, you get into the offensive side of the ball. Terrell Jennings, their starting running back, comes back from last year, five hundred seventeen yards, five touchdowns, four point nine yards per carry. So not not terrible, but not great. They do bring back their starting quarterback, though. Rashawn McKay comes back from last year um, where he threw 22 touchdowns, just five interceptions, threw for 2,457 yards. So a talented quarterback, probably not a guy that's going to burn it up out there. But still, this is an offense that is capable of moving the ball. They do return their top two receivers from a year ago. Jamaria uh, Sherrard, 55 catches, three uh, 622 yards, and nine touchdowns a year ago. 
ago, Xavier Smith, more catches, more receiving yards, but three receiving touchdowns for him. So they have both of those those guys back. And look, if you look at just the total numbers from them a year ago, I mean, they were pretty solid overall, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So this is going to be a team that I think on paper, and because they're an FCS opponent, a lot of people are going to think that they uh, are a team that Carolina could potentially take lightly. But Carolina's got to come out motivated. And I think the biggest thing here is for Carolina, you can't even really worry about the opponent that is on the other side of the field. This is your chance to come out and take out all those frustrations from last year out on your first opponent in 2022, and it's an opponent that you should be able to beat. They need to be able to do that in this game. Yeah, and I, I, like that's why I said this is this game will show how much maybe this team, this program matured over the offseason because while they're going to be tested, um, and this is going to be a really solid test to get them ready for what's going to be a, a really big challenge at App State the next week when you know the first full week of the college football season, this is still a team that, that you should beat. Um, and you know, really, I, I think the thing about this game that you're going in to 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 accomplish outside of winning is you're going in to get answers. You're going in to find out, like, okay, is Drake May actually our quarterback, or you know, in a game setting, does something happen where he doesn't have it, and you've got to use Jacoby Criswell? You're trying to figure out. You're starting to find out in this game who are we using in the running backs, and how are we going to use them. Who's going to emerge as that number two, number three pass catching option opposite of whatever Josh Downs is going to do for you as he lines up, you know, all over the field. And then defensively, you know, can can we get off blocks? Can we get after the quarterback? Can we be physical enough? As a team, can we limit penalties and stuff like that? So that's going to be the, real, the, the, the challenge for this team in this game is trying to find those answers while trying to get a win and also taking a step – in the right direction against an opponent that um, they're not going to be fearful. They, they, you know, in theory, they signed up for a paycheck mm-hmm. to to help you know financially support their program, but that's not the whole entire reason why they're here. They know that they can compete. They know they've got, as you mentioned, they got nine Power Five transfers in their program. They've got Division One talent on that roster, and so they're going to come in with the mindset that. They're they're gonna look for an upset and they're gonna play you you're gonna they're they're gonna play you tough and um we've seen Carolina not under Mac Brown per se but we've seen Carolina in FCS openers at home be a little sleepy and the games are a little bit closer too close for comfort hopefully that's not gonna be the case this Saturday night yeah no doubt about it and I think that it, I I think this is a team that as we've heard is motivated and ready to go and I don't think that they are overlooking this team. Um, because, you know, look, they, they probably have seen the record from a year ago, and they probably know that, look, this is it's a big deal. And if they do come out and play sloppy, look, you could still get out of here with a win, but it's going to be hard to then turn it around and get ready for App State. You want to come out and play your best game against this team and try to get yourself rolling immediately out of the gate to carry it over into that game against App State. Well, when you look at some of the key fat, some of the keys to this game, I think number one is Carolina's got to win the battle up front, and I think th- th- this is there are multiple reasons for this. First of all, as we talked about, they got a guy in Isaiah Land that is as talented of a pass rusher as anybody really in all of college football, not just at the FCS level. So he's a guy that's going to be able to get after the quarterback. But here's the thing. 
He's 6'4", 225. That's a guy that is a little bit thinner. When Carolina, especially when they run the ball, this offensive line should be able to move him and some of these other defensive linemen out of the way. This should be a game that they control on the line. And I think it I think it goes both ways. You want to see this defensive front has been bragged about all offseason for the talent, the upside that it has in the room. Well, it's time for some of these guys to start breaking out. And look, I'm not saying that you've got to see it from some of the young guys, even like a guy like Javari Ritzy. Look, this will be probably the there's a chance he could play the most snaps that he's played in his career mm-hmm. in this game. I want to see it from guys like Ray Voasik like Miles Murphy, like Dez Evans, guys that are upperclassmen that have started games before, that this should be their time to break out and shine. I think you, that that's one of the big keys in this game is both it, both sides of the ball. Carolina's got to shine in the trenches. Yeah, and I mean, look, I think I think that's where the 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 questions lie about this team. Like you look at the offensive line. The, the projected line the, the 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 projected line that they released on Monday included five seniors. Mm-hmm. If you're starting five seniors, you shouldn't be uh, dealing with pre-snap penalties, lack of communication when you know you're changing you know plays at the line of scrimmage, stuff like that. And this is an opponent that you should dominate. Uh, I know they've got the good pass rusher as you highlighted, but over the course of the game, you should wear them down. And then defensively, I I feel like in this defense. Is gonna take that 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 step we're wanting it to take. It's gotta it's gotta be a fast start. You go back to when Chiswick fixed this defense in fifteen, they lost the first game that he was back, but it wasn't his fault. The defense played as well as they could have played against in that opener against South Carolina. Your offense turned the ball over, was it three times in the red zone? Or you had three red zone chances of converting a touchdown? Like, yeah, we'll never forget the name of Sky Moore. Also, we'll never forget the phrase "behind the chains." It, that <laughs> it, lives in infamy. Exactly, and and so, um, and, and look, they started fast that that game. It carried over for the majority of the season. So mm-hmm. I'm with you, guys like Ray Velasik, guys like Des Evans. There, there is no excuse. The, you're going up against an undermatched opponent. You should dominate. Mm-hmm. You should live in their backfield. Um, Des Evans, we both think he should have 10 sacks this season. This is a good game to get a healthy start on on, on achieving such a number. So I'm with you. Um, I think that's something that we're going to really highlight a lot. And the trench report, which is making its return now with football season back, is highlighting that's the play, right. not just of the group overall, but singling out individual play, whether it's in a, a positive or a negative connotation. Because we got to hold these players accountable. Because as Kirk Herbstreit will tell us when he's on the air uh, during all those games on Saturday night, the game's won and lost in the trenches, and that's no different for Carolina. Yeah, and look, you need something good to write about because people don't know this. You, it was so miserable last year. Mainly, okay, mainly the offensive line. There were times where the defensive line showed some flashes, gave you something positive to write about. Writing about the offensive line nearly cost me a writer for football season. That was, I, I mean, it almost lost you a co-host too, because every time we talked about him, it was just it, yeah. fire and rage. And look, we've said it multiple times, though. We think this unit has the capability to be much better than that unit from a year ago. And I think, again, it starts with the coach 
for that group. I feel much more confident in a guy in Jack McNell that has as much experience as he does uh, in in getting these guys to where they need to be and I think really having them where they need to be to start out. And look, Mac Brown said in his press conference today, he feels like right now they've got eight guys up front. I believe that they have eight guys up front that they believe in. Last year, I, he, just from listening to the press conferences, I did not know there if there were six guys, seven guys. I didn't know how many he actually believed in. So I feel I feel more confident in that unit this year. Hopefully that doesn't come back to bite me. Number two, I think it's like you said. You you mentioned it a little bit with the wide receivers, but I think and and with the running backs. I think the key in this game is to start establishing what the picture is going to look like at the skill positions. Wide receiver, I'm not as concerned with because you're going to rotate guys throughout games. We, we've seen that before with Carolina. They like to throw different receivers out there. Um, and it's not necessarily because guys aren't playing well. It's to give different looks, to give guys breaks, whatever. Um, and I'm a guy that, as we've gotten closer and closer to the season, I think Gavin Blackwell is really the guy. That, I think he could be the guy that takes off mm-hmm. this year. There's so much to like about him, and he's playing on the outside now. I, I think he's really developed, but I think the running back position is the one that people are going to be really focused on. And Look, all the focus is going to be on the freshmen, and I, I think rightfully so. These dudes are so talented. I want to see can these guys really jump out and make an impact early on? And look, some people say, well, how how big is a game against an FCS opponent going to really uh, really show? You know, what if they can be a part of this backfield? I mean, look, this is this is their first college game. We're going to know pretty quickly if these are guys. And and here's the thing: if these are guys that are taking handoffs and they're bursting into the open field for 10, 12 yard gains with ease. These guys got something. If they're struggling to get back to the line of scrimmage, then we know, okay, these guys aren't decisive enough, whatever. It lets you sort of figure out what you have to do in that backfield. But I'm also interested in that backfield to see, can the guy that's starting this game, can DJ Jones take control of that starting role and really prove to us that he is capable of handling that role moving forward throughout the next few weeks. Yeah, because like as much as we like to look at that room, and there's no there's no denying that there is talent and there's depth in that room, they can all play Saturday night at some point by because you know you would love to have it more figured out by App State, but like by Notre Dame, you better know barring injury who's in, who's out in terms of the rotation and how you're going to use all those guys. And I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I think DJ Jones is a guy that, if he can stay healthy, um, can be a guy that can be a lead back. Um, I don't know if he'll get 1,000 yards, but this is an offense that produces 1,000-yard rushers in its sleep, but could get 800 yards. Um, I'd love to see if Caleb Hood can be healthy. His level of physicality, I think, is what's going to really stand out because he's he's a muscle hamster. He's not afraid to lower the shoulder. He'll run through guys. He's a he's a mini Doug Martin, and and you know he will. And and I think I think you know with this team is gonna this team's gonna need that. If mm-hmm. you got if, if if you got other guys lowering the you know playing with physicality, that's that stuff really breeds across your team and across that locker room. So um, I I think there's gonna be just so much going on when we're on offense. Like we we're gonna be focused on Drake May. 
We're going to be focused on that offensive line. They're going to be looking at like they're all going to be. I'm not going to say under scrutiny, but like we're all just going to be watching them with a very keen eye. Like, okay, what do these guys have? Because there's talent there. We got to figure out how to best get all that talent on the field at one time. Well, we we may we may need somebody to come in and watch one of those units for us. We've we've got a third guy that we're potentially adding here. Uh, that we'll tell you a little bit about at the end of the podcast. But um, we kind of need that fourth guy because I think at this point, every as you mentioned, every offensive position has a question mark. Do we need somebody to watch each position and sort of break down each position? I mean, we're taking applications for this first game of the year. If you're interested, <laughs> throw your name into the hat. Um, and interestingly enough, what is my third key to this game? It is get Drake May comfortable. I think that, and look, I, I was the guy that said I thought Jacoby Criswell would win this job. I thought Jacoby Criswell gave me the feeling of Marquise Williams back in 2015. And Drake May has beat him out. And everything that I've heard about Drake May gives me confidence that he is going to be able to handle this role, and potentially improve upon what we saw from Sam Howell. And to me, I never really questioned that. I just wondered at the start of the year, would a guy like Jacoby Criswell be the guy that they went with because he had a little more experience? But the thing is, is look, they've made this decision now. And and I get it. I get that they may have to use Criswell. But my thing is, is I think you've got to get through the first handful of games I would say probably the first three games for sure before you can go ahead and make that move you've got to give Drake May a legitimate chance unless it is just that obvious that he is struggling that bad you've got to get him out out of there so to me this game is going to be get this guy into a rhythm because you're going to need him to be playing well when you head up to Boone next weekend. Yeah, I, I, that's a really good point. Like, that's what I'm talking about, getting answers and stuff like that. This offense isn't going to be its best version of itself on Saturday night, but you want to at least be able to go to Boone with having some rhythm and having some confidence, uh, some, some confidence because that scene when you go to, to Boone, will, it'll, it'll be May Day. It's going to be crazy. You need your quarterback to be as calm as he can be, as collected as he can be to go out there and be successful. So um, I, I think you'll see them try to lean on the run game. I think you'll see a lot of quick, short passes, mainly to Josh Downs, to just let let the, let, let the skill position guys do their thing. But there's also going to be some times where, you know, you got to push the ball deep and stuff like that. Can you give him enough time to go through his progressions, go through his reads to find the open guy? It's all, all those little things that we took for granted with Sam Howell they're going to be really magnified this year because Drake May is a really talented quarterback. You could argue coming into college a more talented quarterback than Sam Howell. It's the unrealistic. Thought so. So yeah. It's unrealistic though to expect him to play at the level he's playing at, or that that or that Sam Howell played at as a freshman. So. You, you're you're going to have to make the game easier and stuff like that on him, um, and, and so I'm with you. I I, I don't think I I don't want to turn the TV off on Saturday night, having questions about Drake May if if he's being our. I want I wanted to be. We we have our guy going forward. Now we got to figure out how to build off this performance. Well, and look, 
we don't know that that is going to be the case for sure. But my point is, is that you need all of these things that we've talked about. We talked about the trench play. We talked about the skill positions. Basically, the third key is kind of a combination of those two, at least on the offensive side of the ball with the offensive line in the trenches. You need those guys to play well. You need the skill position players. You need certain guys to step up and to give him a chance to at least settle in. Look, if he doesn't, if he struggles, then it is what it is. But you need everybody else to do their part. And also, this is also on the defense as well. You need a defense that is going to instill some confidence in their quarterback that, look, if for some reason he makes a mistake, his defense can bail him out. You don't want to have a defense that's letting Florida A&M move up and down the field on them, and he has to get into a shootout or at least believes he has to get into a shootout. So that's my thing. You want to get him comfortable, get him in a rhythm, and yes, part of that is let's – and we've said this for years. We said this even with Sam Howell early on. Let's see the quick passing game a little bit. Let's, you know, look, we we think the offensive line could be better. That's fine. But let's get the ball out quickly and let some of these guys go to work because some of these guys have talent. I agree with you. You've got to see, you know, what this team can do deep. There's no doubt about that. You've got to take some deep shots in this game because, as we know, Phil Longo's offense is, it, it, it is based on being able to hit big plays. Mm-hmm. whether it's in the run game, whether it's in the passing game. But those be- those deep plays down the field, there were not enough of those a year ago. And while this offense was good a year ago, it could have been better if they would have been able to hit those deep shots down the field. They really weren't able to do it until the second half of the year when Antoine Green sort of settled in. But here's the thing, Antoine Green isn't here. So a- until at least Notre Dame, maybe further. So Carolina needs to be able to do that here out of the gate. Ultimately, what do you think? This one, these types of games are always tough to predict because I feel like we could give a score, especially in the first game of the season against an FCS opponent, that people are going to look at and say, and we should, I I feel like there are a lot of people that think this game should be 59-0 this team could, you know, potentially even score sixty points. I, I don't, I don't envision that happening on Saturday night, though. No, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm predicting a Carolina win, and I think it's going to be a comfortable win. But I don't think this is going to be a game that's going to be over mid second quarter. Like, like in theory, it may be, but like, I don't think this will be a game that we know in the second quarter. Like, we're going to be taking out starters or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got Carolina winning 34-10. to 10. Hmm. That's that. That's what I've got. Um, you know, and, and look, may, maybe maybe it, it, it should be more. But I, I, I do think this is a quality FCS opponent that's going to challenge Carolina. Um, and I think Carolina, even though they're more gifted and stuff like that, they've, they've got to work through some stuff them, themselves to where it might take them a couple of series to really settle into the game before they get rolling. But I do envision by the third quarter, by the latest to start of the fourth, we'll know we're starting the season 1-0. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I'm right in that same neighborhood. I think Carolina wins 38-7, to and I think it's going to be one of those games early in the year where 
if you just see that score on paper, like I was saying earlier, I think a lot of people are going to say, really, against an FCS opponent with how good this offense has been? But again, remember that this offense is sort of having to retool again after last year. They did that a year ago, and they didn't look great offensively against Virginia Tech in the first game of the year. Well, they're having to do it again this year with a new quarterback. Now, I, 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 so I think you're going, like you said, it's going to take this offense a little bit of time to get rolling. I think another, uh, another factor is they're going to run the ball a lot in this game. I think there is no doubt they are going to try to use that running game to get this offense going, as they should, because Phil Longo's offenses, when they're at their best, are headed by the running game. So I think they've got to be able to run the ball successfully, and I think they will. It'll take them a little bit of time, but I think they will pull away. And, yeah, I think it'll be a comfortable win. I think we'll see what we need to see. I think Drake May will get into rhythm. I think you'll see a a receiver or two that steps up. One of them could potentially be one of those three tight ends as well. And I think you're going to feel pretty confident heading into the game against App State, which is ultimately, I think, what you need to take away from this game. This needs to be a confidence builder for this Carolina team to feel like heading into that game against App State – we are the team that should win that game. If they struggle, that may not necessarily be the mindset, and that's not going to be good heading on the road up to Boone. So uh, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'll tell you about a position that a position battle that looked like it had a winner on Monday when Mac Brown revealed the roster, or when at least Carolina put out the official depth chart. But now Mac Brown tells us. That result has switched. We'll tell you about that as well as how Drake May is doing at practice. And in addition to the Heel Tough blog team, back to the Heel Tough blog podcast right after this. Football fans, join the next generation of fantasy football with Rainmakers Football, their first ever NFT fantasy game from DraftKings. It's the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Now you can play all season for millions in prizes by building the ultimate NFT franchise. Right now, everyone can get their first full roster starter pack for free. Playing Rainmakers is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player card NFTs of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions on DraftKings Marketplace. Craft lineups of athletes from your NFT collection and earn points for touchdowns, receptions, and more, just like daily fantasy football. Build your NFT franchise and enter free Rainmakers football contest all season long to compete for millions in prizes. The next generation of fantasy sports is here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now. Sign up with the promo code TPPN, click the Rainmakers tile, and opt in to get your first card free. Plus, play for millions in prizes all season long while building the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. That's promo code TPPN. Build, play, win. Only at DraftKings. Contest entries dependent on type and number of NFTs held. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. Hey guys, welcome back in. Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Anthony Pagnata, Josh Marlowe with you. And as I mentioned, uh, let's get into some of the news tidbits from today's press conference from Mac Brown. Really, there were two big ones that most people were focused on in today's presser, and that was, of course, the quarterbacks. Mac Brown, um, you know, sort of hesitantly the other day 
announced that Drake May was going to be the starter, and we talked so much about getting Drake May comfortable. Well, part of that is because Mac Brown today came out and said that he it feels pretty comfortable with the decision at this point. They knew they had to make a decision uh, here during the week of the game. He said that he did it out of uh, respect uh, for the guys on the roster um, to be able to get comfortable with the quarterback and and really be able to build uh, you know a little bit of chemistry with them here during game week um, and, and also wanted to give the fans an idea of who they would see out there on Saturday night, same thing with the media and everything like that. But the good news is, is that he feels comfortable with how it's going. He's also liked the he, he liked the timeline that it, he he went with, very similar to what uh, they went with when they announced Sam Howell as the starting quarterback back in 2019. So everything seems to be going pretty well. The good news also behind Drake May is that they have seen some good practices from from Jacoby Criswell. In fact. Mac Brown said that Jacoby Criswell has performed extremely well uh, here these last two days. Uh, so that's the good news. He has responded pretty well to the news that he is not going to be the starter and he is preparing himself to be ready for if Carolina was to need him. As for the position battle that has sort of flipped the results, that is the kicking battle. And, you know, the other day in the press conference, Mac Brown said that it was still a battle between. Jonathan Kim and Noah Burnett, but did say that if the job was to be handed out on Monday, that it would be Jonathan Kim's job. Well, that is not the case anymore. Noah Burnett is the guy that they're going to go with. And Mac Brown said on Wednesday they're going with him because he's been a little bit more consistent. Um, so we'll see. He is going to be the guy that is going to kick the first extra point or field goal. That's what Mac Brown said. Um, I would assume that, look, if it's, if it's that bad of a kick, then they may get a look at Jonathan Kim. Other than that, I think it's very similar to what we've been talking about with the quarterbacks. I think they are going to give Noah Burnett a legit shot. And this is a guy that was has been on the roster the last two years. Um, a, a walk-on, uh, a guy that came out of Leesville Road High School here uh, in, in the state of North Carolina out of Raleigh. Um, but he's a guy that has some talent, and there's a reason that Carolina had him on the roster. He had been locked in a battle with Jonathan Kim for the majority of the offseason, and uh, it, it, he he got the leg up on him. So we'll see. Now, Jonathan Kim, the good news is he is still going to be kicking as the kickoff specialist Mac Brown said, look, he's one of the best in the country, so we're not going to take him out of that role, which could also be helpful in terms of keeping him ready to go if Carolina was to need him. But the biggest thing, man, Carolina's got to get more consistent kicking, uh, more consistent in the kicking game. Um, because since Nick Weiler left campus, it has been pretty much a disaster since that 2016 season. Carolina has is tied for the most missed field goals in all of college football. So, look, it hasn't, to be honest with you, when I saw that stat earlier this offseason, it kind of surprised me a little bit because I don't feel like Carolina's kicking game has been that bad. Mm-hmm. But when you look at when you look back at it, you say to yourself, man, that kicking game has certainly struggled. So this is going to be another one of those elements. We didn't really talk about the special teams. But this will be something to keep an eye on on Saturday against Florida A&M for sure. Yeah, because, I mean, look, there's going to be situations where this offense has got to be able to settle for three because they need points. And look, with Sam Howell, you rarely had to worry about that because you knew you could go win shootouts with them. 
I don't know if you're going to be able to win shootouts with Drake May until the middle of October, if not November. So there may be times, like especially if you want to beat a Notre Dame, you want to go win at App State, you want to beat Miami, you're going to have to maybe make a field goal or two along the way just to put points on the board as opposed to, I mean, you got to think, there was a time when you got inside the 40, you were going for it on, on fourth down as opposed to trying out your field goal kicker. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm all for being aggressive, and I know that we'll use analytics and stuff like that as a way to defend some of those decisions. But teams that have really good kickers, I mean, unless you're Alabama, not many teams can win a national championship without a, without a good kicker. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not, we're not trying to win a national championship this year. We're just trying to respond in a big way. But a, a lot of that will be having an effective kicker, and hopefully – this is something that we can start getting corrected because, as you mentioned, since field goal Jesus left, we've had a hard time converting uh, those three-point opportunities. And look, this is the third special teams coach since Mac Brown has been here. So that has clearly been a position that they have not been thrilled with overall, and the field goal, the, the field goal issues have been a problem not only late in the Larry Fedora era but carried on through – uh, the start of the Mac Brown era, and they, they want to get that ironed out. So hopefully Noah Burnett is able to do that. Speaking of newcomers, we have a newcomer to the Heel Tough blog staff for this year, at least a new contributor this year. Uh, I think uh, you should go ahead and take this one because you know this uh, young man that is going to be joining and writing for us a little bit this year better than anybody else out there. You know, you said contributor. I refer to as grunt. I mean, that's how you're going to use them. I mean, we're I'm going to give them the top assignments. I mean, that's that's how it's going to work. No, we um we are pleased to announce that my little brother Ashton Marlowe is joining the the blog as a as a contributor. Um, he's going to cover. He's going to write some football and some basketball articles. He's pretty fired up about it. Um, he's 13 years old, so kind of like us at 13. He knew kind of then what he wants to do with his life. Mm-hmm. Um, he he wants to work in sports in some capacity. Um, it's it's pretty cool that we kind of give him this opportunity to just break into the industry um, and, and start writing some stuff. You might hear him a couple times on the podcast. It depends on his takes. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll depend well, on because we only allow good takes on the pod. Well, if they're close to yours, then he's in trouble. Then I mean, those are fantastic takes. Oh, no. Uh, but it, it – it is pretty neat. He will have an article going out this week. Um, he does not have social media, so I'm not gonna, you know, don't don't worry about trying to follow him on Twitter or anything like that. That's good. Uh, That's um, good. Yeah, it, it, it's a good thing for him. Um, and I do, I I will want to caution you guys. He's 13. Right. So there is going to be a learning curve. We're gonna let him learn as he goes, but he's gonna write some things that maybe you don't agree with, and that's okay. But don't be a jerk. Because he's my little brother, uh oh, and turning, I don't want to have to get hustle. mean. Hey, um, he's going to be listening to this, so let's let's not let's calm down. Let's calm uh, down just a little bit. Um, so I, I will caution you guys with with that. But th- this is this is pretty cool. I approached him about a month or so ago with the opportunity. He was all in, um, and, and so it, it's going to be a lot of fun riding and talking Tar Heels with him from time to time during the football. And basketball season. Yeah, no, I'm excited, um, especially because, you know, as you mentioned, 13, maybe maybe a little bit earlier, but it was the same for him. 
we kind of knew that hey this was this was what we wanted to do we we want to be able to do this for a career we want to be able to you know potentially talk sports now now granted if you go back and I think that at this point, I think I've deleted it off of there. There are some some very dark days of a show called The Pagnata Take on Sports, which is somewhere on YouTube, and it's it might be the worst thing I've ever watched in my entire life. But that was how we got our start, and we think that this is a great opportunity for him to be able to get his start, for him to write about a team that he loves. Um, and, you know, I mean, we've I, – I've – heard it I've talked to him a couple of times on the phone but you talk to him all the time this dude wants to talk about Tario football or at least he wants to express what he has been watching with Tario football with Tario basketball and it feels like this is a good outlet for him so we're extremely excited um, to add him to the uh, to the crew here uh, and yeah again it's it, it, it realize that again it's it, it's a 13 year old so you know when we were 13 honestly to be to be real with you, when we're 26, we don't have some of the greatest takes in the world. Some of the ones that you guys uh, really don't don't like. Um, but I think I will say this though, and this is a compliment to the readers. For the most part, we have some really really good readers. Not only loyal, but these are readers that respect the opinions that we put out, um, and they like to engage in conversation. It's very rare that we have encountered anybody that is just full-on attacking anything that we write. So we hope that that continues, and we think it's going to be a great opportunity for him. The good news is, is as you mentioned, he doesn't have social media, so if they do attack him, he ain't even going to see it. He's just going to keep writing. (laughs) So, I mean, that's the great part. But, yeah, congratulations, uh, and we're excited to have you, Ashton. We are excited to bring you on. Um, and uh, unfortunately, now we've got two Marlows that are a part of this website. Boy, what could go wrong? There's um, never, that, there's never a thing as too many Marlows in a room. I've I've been to some of the family gatherings. <laughs> I'd like to debate that. Um, we will see. By the way, if we can add Trisha Pagnata. I have checked. She says no. Oh, uh, <laughs> that was that was a quick denial, kind of like us on dating sites. But yeah, that yeah, that was that was a rather quick rejection. But. Uh, but no, we uh we we're we're excited, and of course, again, if there, if there is anybody that is out there that's listening, that is interested in writing this season, look, we're always looking for people that want to write, that want to put their opinions up. If if you're interested in getting into this field, reach out to us. Let us know. We are always looking for writers, and the thing is, is look, we know as guys that wanted to do this from a young age that it is tough to really get rolling. So. We would love to have you with us and write about this upcoming football season, this upcoming basketball season. I think that's probably the one I should try to sell a little bit more. Most people will probably jump on that opportunity. Look, but man, either way, I'm not going to deny the help. We got hopefully 40 games. We got a preview and recap. And as we know, last year during the tournament time, it got hectic. You're literally starting to cry over there from how <laughs> j- just just hearkening back to that time. It was a, look, it was a very fun time. Yeah, but it was also a very stressful time for us. So yeah, I mean, w- we we are always looking for people that that want to write, um, that are motivated to write. So uh, reach out to us on any of those social media platforms at uh, Heel Tough Blog on Facebook, at Heel Tough Blog on Twitter, um, and then of course our personal pages at HTB Anthony for me at HTB underscore Josh for him. So we are getting ready to get out of here for this edition of the podcast. Guys, head over to the website. We're going to get you prepared. 
even more in depth than we did on the podcast with the preview of the game for Saturday that is going to go up. Um, I was I, I got my days confused. I am planning to do that, put that up on Friday. Um, there is a bunch of stuff that is going on right now. Carolina just landed a wide receiver commit as we are recording this podcast, just right before this, in Paul Billups II, three-star wide receiver out of the state of Virginia. Um, and then later on to tonight, they are expected to land another commitment, this one from Amari Campbell, the three-star linebacker, also out of the state of Virginia. So you got all that going on. We just put up the breakout candidates yesterday, uh, and we've also had a Mac Brown press conference sandwiched in there. Not to mention, a little bit of work in between there, uh, you know, that old thing. So trying to get all that sort of put into, you know, this the, the schedule that we are currently working is a little bit tough, but we're working on trying to fit all of that stuff in. So that means that tomorrow we will put our bold predictions article up for you guys to take a look at, and then... We will, of course, uh, get you that preview on Friday to get you prepared for Saturday night's game. Again, it is an 8-15 kick, ACC Network, uh, or, of course, at Keenan Stadium. It is a home game, uh, as you guys know. So if you can be there in the stadium, great. If not, it is on uh, the ACC Network for you guys. So uh, we will have you covered on that front. Uh, Of course, after the game, recap, uh, expected uh, potentially night of. Uh, that's another one uh, I am going to have to work, so it will be potentially night of, maybe early on the next morning. Um, and then we'll have the stock report, the trench report that will be coming out. All that stuff is coming back for this season uh, as we take you through the course of the 2022 year. Uh, make sure that you guys are also uh, checking out the podcast uh, when it, wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, if you're listening to us right now on any of those major sites, make sure that you are rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast for us. We would greatly appreciate the rate and review. Um, not saying we require the subscribe, but we think that that is best for you. That really feels like the best option for you guys uh, because it will allow you to not miss an edition of the podcast. So make sure that you guys are checking that out uh, and subscribing whenever you listen to an edition so that you don't have to worry about missing an edition. It'll go right into your library and it'll give you notifications whenever we put out a new edition of the podcast. So that is going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. want to thank Josh Roasting with me. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar You. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.